Thanks for listening to the Kansas Reflector Podcast. I'm Tim Carpenter. The affordable housing crunch is deep-seated reality in Kansas. Urban and rural, every corner of the state. Don't think there's any region out there that is immune. The problems have been festering for years. A Kansas housing needs assessment was finished in 2021 and the Kansas legislature authorized funding for housing development in 2022. Here we are at the end of 2023. What's been accomplished and what's next? On the Kansas Reflector podcast to tour this important policy issue are Ryan Vincent, executive director of the Kansas Housing Resources Corporation. Joining us on the line are Molly Wayne Scott, assistant director of economic development for Dodge City and Ford County, and Matt Gillum, managing partner of Overland Property Group and former president of the nonprofit coalition known as the Kansas Housing Association. Welcome to you all. Great to be here, Tim. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day. So I think this core issue is kind of generally understood. There's a deficit of affordable housing that it undercuts the ability of the current generation to buy a home. It's it's an idea that maybe 30 years ago, I'm thinking of myself, wasn't so far-fetched for a young family uh, with people in, with modest journalism incomes. But now the market is a nightmare. And uh, some Kansans would use the term crisis. It influences job growth, residency decisions, family planning, you name it. Ryan, let's start with a 30,000-foot overview of housing needs in Kansas. And I mentioned there was an assessment, maybe some golden nuggets out of that. Absolutely, Tim. I'm just thrilled to be here today. I'll tell you, Kansas has had a housing problem for decades. You know, I, I look back through the newspapers from the 30s, the 50s, the 70s. Each one of them talks about the housing problem in our state. And it's it's real and it's true, but our problem in the state continues to be a become a crisis when we have external events, whether it's a tornado in Greensburg, whether it's a pandemic worldwide. You know that all it takes is one small uh, event to exasperate an underlying housing problem that's been out there for a long time. And that's why our mission at Kansas housing is so important. Our corporation itself has been in existence for 20 years. We're a public corporation that helps Kansans access the safe, affordable housing they need with the dignity they deserve. We know that housing is so much more than just a structure, so much more than four walls and a roof. We know that a home allows people to work. It allows people to um, succeed, to have great health care, to have healthy schools, vibrant neighborhoods, revitalize downtowns and healthy communities. We know that if we're able to help people achieve home ownership or even a, a safe, affordable house to rent, that they're going to be successful in life and that each community needs that. Because of that, uh, Kansas Housing has administered programs, both federally and state funded, for a number of years that have been able to help um, unlock home for those that we serve. Okay. The the survey that was done, I think it, it pointed, uh, when I read through it, there's a shortage of rural housing, especially, and in part, the, some of the housing stock is older and maybe needs rehab. Um, there's a broader shortage of mid-level uh, incomes, uh, homes for, for folks in that category. And we have a workforce shortage that covers the building rehabs. So, Molly, can you can you dive in here and talk a little bit about uh, Western Kansas, Dodge City? What's the housing market like um, from your perspective? 
Yeah, thank you very much. Um, we know we cannot do economic development without housing. When trying to recruit new businesses to our area, that's one of the first questions we get asked is, do you have adequate, affordable housing for our workforce? Um, in in rural Kansas, the housing the housing needs is all over the board. It's everything. We need everything to preserve our existing stock of housing houses, to build new workforce housing. We need rental housing. We need home ownership units. It's really all over the board. When I think about rural revitalization, I think about population, and and there's a lot of uh, counties out there that could really use just more warm bodies. <laughs> And uh, so, but with you, if you bring the people, they need to stay somewhere. So there's this tension between housing and that business development. You must experience that. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, anytime we try to recruit new business, um, Hillmar Cheese, for example, when recruiting them, that was one of the first things they asked is, do you have housing? We say we have a housing need everywhere in Kansas has a housing need, but we have programs and policies in place to meet those housing needs. And Kansas so, Housing Resource Corporation has been key to that. So you mentioned the cheese uh, facility. What What did you all do to try to uh, increase the housing stock for those individuals? So we've been using moderate income housing funds from Kansas. Kansas Housing Resource Corporation for, I think, about nine years now, since about 2013. Um, we also have a program at our community college that um, we have students enrolled that partner with us to build housing. So we're we're building our future um, contractors through that. Uh, the city of Dodge City also uses the Rural Housing Incentive District, and we partner that with our with our MIH funds to build more housing. OK, let's move uh uh, across the state to Matt Gillum. Uh, I, I think he's sitting in Johnson County, but he he, he may not be. <laughs> he could be anywhere. This is Zoom. Uh, yeah. So affordable, affordable housing might mean one thing in Dodge City and quite another thing in Overland Park, where the cost of housing is uh, just uh, outrageous, actually. Uh, can you share your sense of what Johnson County's housing landscape looks like from maybe from even sure. from a developer's perspective, too? Yeah. Yeah, we have a unique perspective because while I, I do live in Johnson County, uh, I grew up in Salina. My business partner also uh, is from Salina, still lives in Salina this day. We have an office uh, here in Leewood, but we also have an office in Salina, and <clears throat> we develop affordable housing all over the, the country. So, you know, we've developed in, I think, 35 to 36 communities across the state, most of them actually being rural. So, you know, we kind of have a unique perspective from the standpoint of seeing, you know, both the problems at the rural communities, but also, you know, in the larger metros uh, and, you know, where I live specifically, kind of Overland Park, Leewood. Um, you know, they share a lot of similarities, but there's also very big differences. Kansas is a very diverse state from a housing need perspective. Uh, I'm glad Ryan mentioned that uh, there's been this housing need far before the study was ever done. That is something that housing developers and folks in rural communities and across Kansas think of anecdotally known for forever, um, that we have a housing crisis in Kansas and we're just now starting to get the resources. People I think are just now starting to talk about it at the level that we need to be. So, you know, whether we're developing something in Salina, Kansas, which we are right now, or Spring Hill, you know, which is basically a suburb of, of Kansas City Overland Park, your biggest barrier to entry is, is obviously costs. Costs, in the construction industry have gotten 
out of control and, and unaffordable, no matter what you're developing or building, you know, from a base level, the problem looks like this, what it costs to build something in Kansas city, uh, Johnson County, Wichita, the, the metros, it costs the same and maybe sometimes a little more in your communities like Dodge city or garden city or great bend or Salina or Hayes or name anything in between. So you have those, those, cost similarities, but you have a major income and you have a major rent discrepancy. So it is downright impossible. I don't say hard. I say it is downright impossible because it is to develop market rate housing or new housing in general in a lot of the communities in Kansas. There's certainly, you know, a few Overland Park and Lee Woods, but, you know, again, you don't see single family homes, to your point, being built anymore under half a million dollars. They they, they don't do it because there's no money in it. Um, so, yeah, it's a very diverse state. Uh, again, we work nationally, and, and I always tell folks that uh, I think I'm obviously biased because I grew up in Kansas and have always lived in Kansas. But I think Kansas actually has a more uh, unique dynamic on housing than anywhere else that, that we develop and we develop again all over the country. I wanted to ask you the the survey of in 2021 of Kansas housing issues essentially two thirds indicated they would be supportive of public funded subsidies to to get more housing that could be quality and affordable housing out there get that done is 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 that your sense of what the market really needs is is that kind of recognition of the public investment there has to be something. I think it's it's one of those things that the the economics and the dynamics just flat out don't work without some type of uh, help, uh, whether that be you know direct investment from these cities or you know local employers that are willing to invest funds, uh, maybe someday to get their money returned, but certainly no return on investment uh, to you know KHRC and the programs that they're administering. Quite frankly, it takes a village of a lot of those different programs and people. Um, it's, you know, Kansas doesn't have the luxury of, uh, we have magic bullets for everything we need. We have to kind of hodgepodge a lot of things together for it to make sense for these communities, because again, they are so different and dynamic. Um, and, and what Hayes needs, quite frankly, is totally different than what Dodge needs. And, you know, those two are totally different from what Salina needs. So we have to be very prescriptive and intentional, I think, with the resources we have, which up until recently was a pretty small tool belt. Uh, they were federal programs, uh, and we had very little state resources, uh, if if any. So, you know, our tool belt's gotten substantially bigger, which is good because we're dealing with a very complex problem. All right. Thanks for the segue there. Let's go to Ryan and let him explain to us what the 2022 legislature did. They put some... Uh, a lot of it's one-time money, but they they dumped a whole dump truck load of cash into the housing situation here. Ryan, why don't you tell us what the legislature did? It was historic, Tim. Um, in 2022, we had just gotten our, our statewide housing needs assessment released. That was a year-long process that involved stakeholders from rural and urban, from um, employers to community development representatives, and not only did we get great data from that study, but we took it to the state house and we had conversations on both sides of the aisle. And that's the beauty of housing is that everybody needs it. 
everybody recognizes that it's not a partisan issue. It's something that um, once people really listen and understand the challenges, there's easy solutions, but it all boils down to resources and investment. And that's what our state legislature did. They gave us $62 million for moderate income housing. Those are folks that make too much to qualify for the affordable housing programs funded by the federal government, but they don't make enough to build a home, uh, to buy a home, possibly even to rent a home. Uh, with that moderate income investment, we've been able to roll out those resources around the state to communities like Dodge City, uh, where, where Molly's from. Uh, we were able to add or free up more moderate income housing, which is one of the goals of the state housing needs assessment. In addition, we got a $13 million Kansas housing investor tax credit passed. Um, that also helps further moderate income housing development. And we, we similarly got a dollar-for-dollar dollar match of our federal low-income housing tax credit, which helps preserve affordable housing, another goal from the state housing needs assessment. So these are different pots of funds that work with different partners around the state, urban and rural, um, developers, communities, you name it, so that we can get the housing built, we can get the housing preserved, um, we can get people in homes, in communities, so that they have um, employers that can expand their operations, so that they have uh, great, healthy neighborhoods that can expand. Um, we're so pleased to get over 3,200 new homes developed just this last year because of these historic state development resources that the legislature passed. What, what would have been... We'll say you go back to 2019 pre-COVID. What would what would the housing resources been able to accomplish at that point? So at that point, we had two million dollars a year from the state. Um, that that amounted to 69 cents per Kansan per year, which you can imagine how far we were able to take that. And, and that's the beauty of can't it. Can't build that, a doghouse. No, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, and of course, costs have gone up. Interest rates have gone up. You know, we 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 never just live in a, a snapshot of an economy that the world keeps moving forward. But with these resources, we're finally making a dent, not just in our housing crisis, but the underlying housing problem that we've had for so long. Because you know, I talked about earlier, it, it all boils down to economics. If we don't have enough supply, and if we keep growing in demand then we're not going to be able to meet the needs of our citizens. But with the, these resources, we're finally addressing the underlying housing supply. Um, we're making real investments that are paying real dividends. Okay. Molly and Matt, I wanted to see if you two could maybe look at what the legislature did uh, I, uh, and see what elements of that uh, speak to you as part of the solution here. I, I, I'm looking at this and it seems like there's a lot of money uh, targeted to smaller uh, population communities, um, but maybe I'm misreading that. So, uh, Matt, why don't you go first? Can you speak to, to the legislation and the new influx of money and how you feel like that is helping the situation? Sure. You know, uh, we're in an arms race, uh, quite frankly, because affordable housing, uh, whether it be rental, uh, for sale, and, you know, from from low income to moderate income, it's a crisis across the country right now. I think, you know, the problem in Kansas has been far worse because we haven't been addressing our problem, but all the states around us have. So as a large national developer, even though we're based out of Kansas, I have a lot of resources going out of the state and have been for the last 20 years that, that we've had this company. 
and now we're bringing resources back home. We're keeping resources in the state. These are homegrown talent folks like myself that grew up in small towns across Kansas that work in development, but they haven't been able to work in their own state because we haven't had the resources to make these things a reality and to actually help housing at the level we are today. So I see these different programs uh, being able to, to really affect uh, housing creation all over the state. So there are programs that, that help target um, rural communities and in ways that we've never been able to have before through you know the MIH program at the level that it is, uh, the, the state credit, being able to now utilize the bond. You know, these are resources we get from the federal government but Kansas has never been able to actually use other than a very small minute uh, area. In Colorado and in, in all these states around us, they use their bond capacity to their fullest extent every single year. They, use, they maximize the federal resources they have. We physically were not able to until this recent amount of, of investment uh, from the Kansas legislature because the economics didn't work. So, you know, they really took a resource we already had and spent some Kansas money, but supercharged it. They they put it on top of jet fuel. So it was done in a way that is extremely intelligent because we are now utilizing a federal resource that every other state basically was already using. So it's not, not just that single dollar for dollar. We are getting the benefit of multiple dollars on top of that. Um, so Yes, I, I truly feel like the investment was needed. Um, again, you know, the states around us have, have really been investing in housing at the levels that Kansas now is for, for many, many years. So, so we're quite a ways behind. Um, but, you know, we are being talked about nationally now and, and seeing resources come into the state. Uh, so I think from both rural and urban uh, these are programs now able to be used. So I don't know that it, it helps one more than the other um, potentially, you know, brings resources more into rural because they're so limited. But um, I, I do believe that this actually, you know, kind of runs the gamut. So it, it was very impressive from um, somebody like me in the industry that sees this all over the country on what Kansas has done and how they've done it. Molly, you can, you can see maybe uh, more so than us, Colorado and, and Oklahoma that you might compete with for businesses perhaps uh, and have some sense of how that plays into the housing market. When you look at this $62 million from that was funneled through the state, do you think that's making a dent in, in your area? It's, it's definitely helping. Um, those MIH funds and the flexibility of the MIH funds has allowed many of our, our really small rural communities to take the opportunity to apply for assistance. A lot of the smaller communities, they don't have the capacity or the staff to apply for any sort of federal programs. And so for them being able to apply through the easy application process through KHRC, they can apply for one or two units at a time. And to them, one or two units in Fowler, Kansas is a big deal, makes a big impact on their small community. Um, and in Dodge, we've been able to go from use from building workforce housing three or four units a year to doing 32, 48 units a year. And so that's made a real large impact in our in our housing in Dodge City as well. That's astonishing. Excellent. 
Um, Ryan, I'm kind of curious. This is one, a lot of this is one time money. It seems to be thoughtfully uh, expended. Um, what happens if the legislature says, oh, yeah, that was so 2022. We've we've addressed that and we're at 2024, 2025 and they're not doing anything. That's, that's a, an excellent uh, point and a challenge for us as citizens in our state that we finally are making real headway. We've made strides to address the problem as well as the crisis. Um, we can't stop here. We can't just go back to days of giving um, dimes on the dollars worth of problems that we have in the state. Um Housing development is a long-term commitment, and we need to make that commitment with resources, not just from the state um, general coffers, but from employers, from local communities, from health foundations, from uh, everybody that has a stake in the game. And, and that's what's been amazing to me, that the, this pandemic has really put a focus that it takes everyone working in concert together to address needs. Um, so now we see health insurance companies funding housing. We see community foundations funding housing. But the state and the federal government has to have a role in it. Um, we call ourselves dot connectors at Kansas Housing because we help connect communities and resources to ultimately get the housing built. Um, but if we start to disinvest and not, not keep up with the needs and the progress that we're making, what we're going to see is that developers like Matt's team are going to be looking elsewhere. Um, we're going to see communities that are trying to attract employers um, coming up empty handed. And we don't want to see that for our citizens. We don't want to see that for our state. Mm -hmm. Well, I can throw this to Molly and Matt. Are you guys optimistic about making progress on resolving some of these challenges. I think it's a long journey, uh, but what kind of time frame are you thinking about in terms of, do you have metrics that you look at, like really want to accomplish this in five years and 10 years, you know, kind of look forward a little bit for me, if you would. Sure. Um, you know, development is a long process. So, uh, you know, while these these resources are are available for the first time this year, uh, you know they were they were signed into law summer of last year. So you know, you're you're now a ways into this, but you know the first housing hasn't hit the ground yet. We have one of the first uh, developments that was created through the the state credit, and uh, we were closed. I think quicker than you could be, uh, and. We got started on construction quicker than you could be, and those units still haven't hit the ground. So, you know, there is a from identification of a development project rehab to getting the units on the ground. You're oftentimes talking about 36 months. So, you know, this doesn't happen quickly. It's it's a very long process, tedious, lots of checks and balances. But we're seeing those, and we're starting to see those things come to fruition um, with construction. I think it's also important for, for folks to realize and think through while, you know, the state is expending this capital and this money, again, we're leveraging it on, on federal, so it's going further, but we're also still, we're building, we're doing construction uh, throughout the state. So we're bringing jobs that aren't just, um, you know, folks that are going to other states, they're staying here at home, uh, you know, for instance, with our company and actual construction jobs. But in Salina, again, where I'm from, you know, they brought in 
Kubota has made a massive investment. Uh, Schwann's and Tony's Pizza has made a massive investment increase in their plants. They have a a housing crisis there. And and what we're hearing from those business leaders, again, you know, being from the community is we're getting these folks to, to come and take these jobs, but we're not going to retain them if there's not quality housing because somebody doesn't want to live somewhere where there isn't quality of life. They like the, the options in Salina as far as entertainment and, you know, being neighborly and and the things that make us us you know uh, proud to be Kansans. But if if they don't have a quality place to live, that's the first thing that is actually going to drive them out of the state, even if they're making good money. Um, so I kind of see it as a we're 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 starting to make a dent in a massive hole that has been dug over 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years. Um, but it's it's gonna take time. It just will. You know, we're gonna have to put our heads down and we're gonna have to really grind and work hard to to get there. Um, and I think we will. Other things that spur from this are there are a lot of little not-for-profit uh community development organizations out there that you know, us as a large developer, we see it as as kind of opportunity and mission to help get them capacity and and grow. So getting them involved so that they can start taking their own projects on, uh, which, again, will, I think, spur more even outside of all of these programs and these funding mechanisms. So it really is kind of one of those deals that, you know, rising tide raises all ships. Well, this is one of those things where we're spurring uh, development, we're spurring economic activity that is going to have a wide range effect um, across the state in a very positive manner. Molly, let me rephrase the question a little bit, and I'll, I'll ask this of each of you. I want to s- circle back and 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 think about maybe uh, approaches and policies that exist in other states. Uh, think about something Kansas isn't doing, and uh, that would move the ball forward. It could be a, a an idea that you've hatched, uh, um, or or something that you've can modeled from elsewhere. Molly, do you want to go first on your wish list item? You know, we've got such great momentum right now. I think just keeping that up and keeping the funding coming. Um, us in rural Kansas, we're, we're very creative when it comes to finding solutions to our problems. And I think KHRC getting this massive amount of funding last year has really just brought to light housing and all the things that our smaller communities that we're doing. Now we're talking about it and we're communicating. And I think we just need to keep going down this path of having this communication and sharing our ideas um, with each other to come up with creative solutions to keep making making progress on our housing needs. Okay. Uh, Brian, you want to pitch in there? No, wave, I, wave your magic wand. I'm going to wave my magic wand. It is the holidays right now. And, you know, I've, I've read enough different notes from just so grateful families that have received housing assistance through our office, whether it's their first home that they've been able to, to own of their own or people that literally are able to keep a roof over their head and not face eviction because of the emergency resources that we have. My dream is that we can go beyond the point of just reacting to every single crisis that whatever whatever it is, natural disaster, uh, man-made. My, my dream is that we're finally building consistent resources for 
all types of housing in rural and urban areas alike that will um, be safe, quality, affordable homes for years to come for Kansans um, so that, you know, when, when disaster strikes, um, we can respond much more easily and effectively. All right. I think we're going to leave it there. We could continue to discuss this issues. It's complicated. We need to talk about COVID, interest rates, uh, evictions, lease rents, you know, uh, quality housing. There's a lot of things that we could delve into. But I want to thank Matt Gillum, Molly Wainscott, and Ryan Vincent for helping us explore this really important issue that uh, should be uh, at front and center for the Kansas legislature. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.